0: Psalms 42 and verse number one. The Bible says, "As the heart painteth after the water brooks, so painteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God?" When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance, and... My God. Father, I pray that you'll take the word of God tonight. Help our hearts. Draw us close to thee and close to Calvary. I pray, God, that you'll speak to every soul and bless the invitation tonight. And may you get glory and honors. we've been reminded that you're faithful. Lord, and that you're our God tonight. How, how, uh, Lord, just how complete uh, these songs are with the message. And I pray now that you'll do only what you can do. And we'll love you and thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I wanna preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on truce for a thirsty soul. Truth for a truce for a thirsty soul tonight. Hezekiah says in this psalm here in verse number one, as the heart paineth after the water brook, soul paineth my soul after thee, O God. He said, my soul thirsteth, for God, for the living God. You know, if there's anything tonight that we need, we need a thirst for God, amen? And it's not just a, that's not a physical thirst, and that's not some natural thirst, but that's a spiritual thirst tonight. I seem like people are so thirsty for so many other things, but i tell you what God is interested in tonight. He's interested in those who are thirsty for him. In Psalms 42, that's exactly what is taking place here. You know that in Isaiah chapter 38 and 39, Hezekiah was sick unto death. Uh, The report had been given unto him to set his house in order for he was about to die. But because he turned his face to the wall and cried out to God and he prayed, uh, the messenger came back and gave him Isaiah, gave him that message and gave him that word that God had granted him 15 more years. And you know, prayer does move the heart and move the hand of God. And Hezekiah's prayer was answered and God had blessed him. But he did not immediately get back. As so many times in our life, God gives a promise, but yet God does not take the storm clouds away that very day. There's a process of time, and life is a cycle and a process that we all have to go through. And sometimes we get the answer, and we get the promise uh, before we get out of the storm, amen? Well, that's where Hezekiah is at. He's been given the word, and he's been given the answer, but yet he's still in his storm. And in Psalms 42, Hezekiah falls in great depression. He falls in great despair because things have not turned out the way that God said that they would. I want to just stop and say this tonight. If God ever says it, then that settles it. Amen? It doesn't make no difference tonight. I mean, there is a difference on my part if I'll take God and believe him at his word, but whatever God says, that's what settles it. Amen? And when God gives you a promise, and when God gives you a word, and when God gives you an assurance, it doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. It doesn't matter what the outcome may look like it's going to appear to be. If God gave you a word, then friend, you can take it to the bank. You can pillow your head on that promise at night and know that it will come to pass in God's own time and in God's own order, amen? Well, that's where Hezekiah is in Psalms 42. And I want you to notice three things tonight in our text concerning Hezekiah and we'll be done. I want you to notice, first of all, Hezekiah's disappointment, amen, in verses one through five. We see that Hezekiah is disappointed and notice in verse number one and two, his spiritual barrenness, as the Bible said, that as the heart paineth after the water brook, so paineth my soul after thee, O God. He said, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Remember, he's been promised that he was gonna get better. He's been promised that he was gonna get his health back. He's been promised he would be able to go back to the house of God and stand before God and he would be a, a that he was healed and that he was better. But yet that hasn't come yet in his life and spiritual barrenness has set in. He's hungry to go back to the house of God. I wanna stop and say this and I know I'm preaching to a Wednesday night crowd but you ought to thank God that you're physically able to come to church on a Wednesday night, Amen. And God help anybody that would sit at the house and watch TV on Wednesday night when they could be well-bodied and able and be in church, amen. I wanna stop and say this. As long as I can put one foot in front of the other, as long as I can get up and get moving, I wanna go to church, amen. I wanna go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and any other night the church is having assembly because, friend, it is a privilege to be in the house of God, amen. You think about Brother Roach tonight and Sister Benny Main. As faithful as they've been to this church down through the years since 1961, a very few services have they ever missed, but they're unable to be here tonight. Friend, that day's coming in all of our life. And friend, I wanna go to church. I wanna take my family to church every time I can. You never know the service you miss. I promise you it's the service that you need, amen. Going to church in the house of God, should not require much effort. It ought to be an enjoyment, but I understand at times due to work and schedules and jobs, we have to put forth that extra effort and we should. We should make it a number one priority that if at all possible, it ought to take more than just a headache. It ought to take more than just a sniffle. It ought to take more than just a, a hard day at work to keep us at the house. Uh, we ought to come to work and I, or come to church and I've seen many of you even tonight, you've come in your work clothes and I commend you for that. Many of you have hurried in. Uh, Uh, to get here to get a church on time and I commend you for that. I'm telling you, the worst Wednesday you could ever have could be changed in just a moment by showing up in one service on a Wednesday night. You say, well, I came a lot of Wednesday nights uh, in my work clothes uh, and so tired in body preacher. I was there because I was supposed to be, but I didn't feel like I really got anything. Well, you got more than you thought you got. Amen. And I'll tell you something else. Uh, You were faithful and God recognized it and God will honor it and he'll bless your faithfulness, amen. I'm saying tonight he is, there was spiritual barrenness because he could not go to church. You think about tonight the days are coming when we physically may not be able to go. So let's go while we can. And then there was spiritual bitterness in verse two. He said, my soul thirsted for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He said, my tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say, where is thy God? He said, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with a multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. Did you notice? in verse number four that he's reflecting back and remembering the time when he went to the house of God with joy and with praise uh, and he's lost that in these early verses of this psalm here. He's lost his joy, he's lost his praise. Uh, He's let his sickness, he's let his problem uh, weight him down. Can I tell you something tonight? Not all bitterness comes uh, through bitter circumstances and bitter situations. Uh, I'll tell you how some bitterness comes. uh, It's when we just forfeit our joy and we lose our praise, huh? and all of a sudden a root of bitterness will grow. It doesn't have to be any incident to cause bitterness in our life. Huh? You know what bitterness is tonight? It's the absence of joy. It's the absence of praise. Huh? It's the absence of thanksgiving. It's the absence of gratitude. When those things are subtracted from our life, it's just automatic. We'll become a very bitter individual. You see, there are people tonight that have a lot of money They've got health, they've got wealth, and they've had an easy road, but yet they're bitter. Bitterness doesn't have to be the result of something tragic in our life. Bitterness grows like a cancer. It grows like kudzu in our life slowly, day by day, taking over every area of our life. I would say many people become bitter just from an absence of church alone. Some come bitter because of no personal walk with God, no personal Bible study, no time spent in prayer. They don't rejoice and they don't thank God for the goodness of the day that they have. You realize every day that we live on the top side of this earth, that's a gift from God. Every day that you can look at your family and say, I love you, give them a hug or give them a kiss. I'm telling you that's a blessing God has given you to have those that little pitter patter in the house, running through the house and reaping havoc on everybody. Hey, that's a blessing, amen, to have that. Could you imagine your life, how one day would change the rest of your life if any of those things that I mentioned were taken away? I'm talking about, friend, spiritual barrenness will always lead to spiritual bitterness, amen. You can get bitter sitting on the front row of a church pew. You can get bitter preaching in the pulpit. It's sad to say I've met preachers who were bitter. I used to know a man that he was so bitter. I told my wife one time, confidentially, of course, but I said, you know, if he preached on heaven, I don't think nobody would want to go. And some of y'all didn't even laugh tonight. Some of y'all look bitter right now. Not all of you, just a few of you. But I'm telling you what, I, I, mean, I mean he was preaching truth and it wasn't his sermon that was so bad, it was his spirit. You ever heard anybody preach a good sermon with a bad spirit? You can't get no help from that. What they're saying is true, but their spirit overshadows the, the sermon. I've seen people sing songs with uh, beautiful words and and saying the right uh, things and hitting the right notes, but they had no joy in what they were singing. Their face looked like an empty hall. It was just a shadow. They were singing about God's goodness and singing about God's grace. On the other side, I've seen people get up and sing. They didn't have that great voice, but they had a touch, uh, and they were singing from their heart, and there was some joy coming out, uh, and it was running over on everybody else. Uh, I'm talking about spiritual barrenness, will lead to spiritual bitterness. Hey, if you want to live a successful Christian life, have a personal walk with God. That's so very important in your life. I'm telling you, it'll keep you happy all the days of your life. You won't have to have all the good things in life. You won't have to have the best things in life if you'll let Jesus produce the joy in your life. You'll be thirsty for God all the days of your life and thank God it'll remove the disappointment in your life. You ever met people that's always disappointed? They're disappointed in the government. They're disappointed in their family. If they're disappointed in them two areas, guess what? They're gonna be disappointed in the church also. They're disappointed in the church. They're disappointed in their pastor. They're disappointed in their Sunday school teacher. They're disappointed in their kids. I mean, they just live a disappointing life. They're always seeing the glass half empty, always on the downside of life. I mean, if the sun's a shining, hang on, the rains are coming. what they'll tell you? I mean, nothing's never good. They're just living from one disappointment to another. Hey, friend, that spiritual barrenness, that spiritual bitterness, I don't want to spend my life living in disappointment. I know the world's not, to ride. I know it's on a slippery slope of sea, but I still thank God I'm alive. I still thank God I live in America. I know America's not what she used to be, but she's still the greatest country on earth. And if you wanna live in gloom and doom all of your life, help yourself. I'd rather walk in the sunshine every day than I can, rather as to always hunting for the shadows. I'm telling you, there is some things in life we can enjoy, hallelujah. And I've never figured this out that how that sometimes some of what may seem to be the thirstiest people live some of the most negative and disappointing lives. His spiritual barrenness, his spiritual bitterness, and then his spiritual boldness. Look what he said in verse five. He said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? He says this several times. And what that, that phrase, to be cast down in your soul, that's to be severely depressed. He said, why art thou disquieted in me? He doesn't have anything to say. But so what Hezekiah does in all this disappointment? He realizes that he's gonna have to rise out of it if he's ever gonna get any better. And in verse number five, he says, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Hezekiah is in an awful pit of despair, a pit of depression. You can stay there if you want to, or you can get out of it if you want to. I do not believe there are different types of depression and I understand that. There are different, there is spiritual, there is psychological, Uh, listen, there is uh, medical conditions and I understand those things, but I wanna tell you something tonight, I do not understand them to their fullest, let me say that, but we've all been there, we've seen those things, but I wanna tell you something, friend, God, listen, you can't just snap out of things and I know that, I know that firsthand, but I'll tell you another thing, I know firsthand, if you want out of that pit, if you'll pray hard enough, if you'll cling to God enough and if you'll be determined enough you can get out of that pit you don't walk out of it one day in your life you walk out of it one day at a time one step at a time one verse at a time one prayer at a time one thanksgiving at a time but if you'll make your mind up, I'm not dying in doom and despair I'm not living in disappointment all my life I'm telling you friend Hezekiah we see as disappointment we see as despair but there's a little spark of hope in verse 5 And that is hope thou in God. I see his disappointment, I see his despair. As the Bible says here in verse six and seven that he was overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed? He said, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. He said, deep calleth unto thee at the noise of thy water all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Do you see that in verse six and seven? Hezekiah is in such despair, he's overwhelmed, he feels like he's about to drown. Have you ever felt, felt like he's about to drown spiritually? You felt like he was about to drown within yourself, your emotions? Uh, I'm telling you, we're living in a day when a, a lot of people are living that way. Now, I understand there may be some times uh, when there may be some medical needs uh, uh, that have to be met. Uh, there could be some chemical imbalances, but can I stop and say this? Uh, not everybody's got a chemical imbalance. Somebody say, man, a lot of people have a spiritual problem, amen? And brother, before I tried, Medicine, I try God, Amen. In fact, I wouldn't try God; I trust God, and I'd see what God could do for me first before I turned to the medical field, Amen. I'm sure in a congregation this size, there's somebody that takes medication for things like this. Now, I'm not preaching to you and telling you that that's wrong, but I am telling you this: you have to be careful. Can I get a witness right there? We're living in a society when doctors will feed medicine like it's candy to people telling them that there's a pill for every problem that they have, I wanna tell you there's not a pill for every problem there has, or that you and I, that man may have, but there is a God for every problem that we have, and if we'll seek his face and pray about everything, and yes, even pray about what you put in your system, uh, God will guide you and help you and direct you, uh, I'm telling you, friend, there's a lot of people that are taking things uh, just because uh, they don't have a problem, they just have a, they have a spiritual problem, and there that works both ways, uh, you say, preacher, do you know people? I know? I know lots of people that walk with God that struggle and have to have some medical help. But I'm telling you, friend, when the rubber meets the road, you've got to get on your knees and you've got to trust God and you've got to ask God for leadership and for God and say, man, I think we're living in that day when people have ruined their lives. I know someone right now that's literally ruined their life. They had a spiritual problem before. They had a depression problem. You see, tonight, it always gets quiet when you deal with these things. I'm going to tell you why. Because it's real in these pews tonight. And don't come up to me after service and say, well, I I don't agree with this or that. I'm just preaching that text tonight. Brother, I'm telling you, God can help you if you want him to help you. If you're willing to put your faith in him, he's willing to help you. And I understand, and I've seen firsthand what happens whenever depression comes and how it affects a, a person all the way to, to their physical ailments. But Hezekiah, his disappointment, his despair, I see in this text how that he was overwhelmed. And then, but notice verse number eight, he was also overjoyed. Look what he said. He said, yet the Lord will ca- command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, and my prayer unto the God of my life. I want you to see something about Psalms 42. You can go back home and read it later. But if you read Psalms 42, here's what it it appears like. It appears like a seesaw. It appears like the Hezekiah in one verse, he's magnifying God. In the next verse, he's wondering where God is at. In one verse, he's telling himself, hope in God. In the next verse, he plunges in despair. But then he says, hope in God again. What's the problem? It's a real battle going on in his life. Uh, He's feeling good one moment. He's feeling... uh, He's feeling overjoyed one moment and he's feeling overwhelmed the next moment. Can you identify with that? Have you ever been through something that one minute you had faith in God and felt overjoyed, but then the next moment you hit bottom and you got overwhelmed and you thought, what in the world am I gonna do? Well, I see his disappointment. I see his despair. But here's the answer to what I just said. There's his decision, amen? By the time we get down to verse number nine, Hezekiah makes a decision in these last three verses that come what may. I'm just gonna do what that book says. I'm gonna go ahead and magnify it. God, I'm gonna go ahead and trust God, I'm gonna go ahead and glorify God, regardless of what my emotions say, regardless of what my circumstances say, regardless of what my health says, I'm just gonna put my faith uh, and my trust in God, hallelujah. You know, that's all we can do. At the end of the day, there's no magic wand to fix life's problems. Boy, I wish I had one, don't you? I got about 10 things I'd go through and start touching right now. I wouldn't just fix my problems, I'd start on the front row and say, is there anything I can help you with and you with and you with? There's no magic wand to that. But there is one, amen. He don't have a magic wand, all he's got to do is speak, amen. Thank God he give us his word. I don't have a wand, but I have the word, hallelujah. I've got a word, there ain't no magic to it. It's spiritual, thank God. It's real, it'll work. It's Listen, there's nothing here fake or phony about this book. And Hezekiah, he grabs a hold of that word that God had gave him in Isaiah 39. And he said, you know what, I look like I'm dying, but God said, I'm gonna live 15 more years. He said, I look like I'm going under. It looks like God's nowhere to be found, but he said, God." God said he's going to take care of me. And I see here in this text uh, that he talks to God in verse 9 and 10. He tells him exactly how he feels. Uh, And then in verse number 11, he puts his trust in God. As he said in verse 11, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Hallelujah. You know what he does tonight? He talks to himself. He said, why are you cast down, O my soul? Ever talk to yourself? I would ask you to raise your hand, but I know that would. Some of y'all are not going to be honest. I always heard it was always okay to talk to yourself as long as you didn't answer yourself. And you start giving the answers back, then you've got some serious issues going on. Amen. But Hezekiah, he talks to himself. He said, Why are you cast down? Have you ever been depressed and didn't know why he's depressed? I'm gonna tell you what some of that is. It's spiritual satanic oppression. It's nothing more than the devil trying to pull you down. He'll come to us sometimes and oppress us and try to pull us down emotionally and spiritually. Sometimes you can get depressed and not even know why you're depressed. You say, what do you do in a moment like that? You hope in God. Sometimes a physical ailment, I'll tell you, physical problems will cause a person to plunge into depression. There are people tonight that that, that maybe they've been in the hospital for several days or they've been through some trauma, maybe they've had open heart surgery or they've been diagnosed with cancer and their body physically does not feel good. I'm going to tell you something, when your body doesn't physically feel good, you mark it down, the devil will seize the opportunity to pounce on you, amen? You see, what got Samson in trouble was not that Samson walked into Delilah that day and that he lusted after her. He could have Delilah any time he wanted to, but what got Samson in trouble was he walked in that day and he laid his head in her lap and the Bible says he was very weary and he was very tired, amen? I'm telling you friend, tiredness has got a lot of people in trouble. Whenever you're tired your focus is not right. You don't make the right kind of decisions, amen? You're not as mentally in tune and in sharp. and sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do when you're tired is just get some rest, amen? That doesn't mean lay up in the bed for 12 hours a day and sleep till the sun warps your feet, amen? That means, listen, some Sometimes I, you just need to take a little bit of a nap and rest a little bit and refocus. Can I get an amen right there? But the devil will seize the opportunity. Never make a decision when you're tired. You know, me and my wife had bought something the other day. It was We got home and it was like 11.30. We put it in the house and we looked at it and I said, you know what? I said, I think that looks terrible. And she looked at it and she said, I do too. I said, why did we buy that? It looks so good in the store. Y'all ever done that? They put all that fancy lighting over it. You know, all that's just to draw you in. It looks so good. And I got her and I said, Dad, I don't think that looks right. She said, I don't either. I said, well, whatever you want to do. And so, we got up the next morning went back and I walked through there and looked at it, and I said, man, that looks pretty good. And I told her, I said, did you look at that? She said, yes. She said, I don't think it looks bad at all now. I said, we looked terrible last night. It looks great this morning. I said, you know what's wrong, don't you? She said, what? I said, when well, we're tired. Just the grace of God, it even worked because we bought it when we was tired. You don't make decisions when you're tired. You'll make the wrong decision every time. I think sometimes the older we get, The more we need to pray, the more we need to read. Because the less sharper we become. The harder it can be, I'm not saying it is, but the harder it can be to hear the voice of God. When you're working a job and you're taking care of a family, that's why you need to pray and read every day. You need to talk to God and pray. You need to read. You know why? Because you can't make the right decisions Financially, uh, in parenting for your spouse. And you you can't make those right decisions. We've all made bad decisions, haven't we? We've all made decisions that we've had to pay the consequences for. I bet in this room everybody's bought something that you shouldn't have bought. But you bought it anyway. You convinced yourself it was God's perfect will for your life. And you knew it wasn't, but then after you bought it, you had to pay for it in more ways than the price tag. Sometimes it just pays to wait and pray. Hope in God. Tonight, I don't really know. You may be here tonight and you may be battling depression. You may be in despair. I want to tell you there's hope tonight. There's help tonight. God can help you. You may be here tonight and say, Preacher, I have to take medical. I'm not telling you that's wrong.
1: But even with that,
0: you're still going to have to trust God. There's a part of our our makeup that there's no doctor, there's no medicine, there's nobody, there's no preacher, there's no family member, there's no experience in life that'll ever aid you. There's only a God. I think in Psalms 42, the last thing Hezekiah said, and I love what he said in Psalms 42, I'll give you this for the invitation. He said, for I shall yet praise him, notice this, who is the health of my countenance and my God." You know what he said? He said he was the health of my countenance. I've seen that before. You know what that is? That's people I've seen walk in church when I knew they didn't feel good. But when I looked on their face, it looked as though they didn't have any problems. He looked like they didn't have a, you ever met somebody like that? didn't look like they have a care in the world. But you know they got problems. What is that? That's him being the health of their countenance. That's a God putting a smile on somebody's face even when their world's crashing in. That's him. Brother, he didn't promise me I wouldn't have storms, but he did promise me this. I could smile all the way to the end. That he give me a song in the night. He'd give me joy, even in the midst of sorrow. Let's stand tonight. Truce for a thirsty soul.